the Sesh Podcast, episode 146, take one. Hi, friends, and welcome back to The Sesh. I'm Kendall Ray. And I am Janelle. Thank you for joining us on another beautiful day. Yes. The Sesh. Actually, it's not beautiful out. I was going to say it's it gross. really feels like the first day of fall today, or I guess yesterday. Yesterday in Colorado. was drizzly, cold, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and gloomy out. And today's kind of the same. Yep. Drinking a little Feeling medicine a little, ball. Like, I don't know. little... Like cl- wintry. Wintry. I had to wear my sweatshirt. I ordered a new pair of sweat, or a sweatsuit, like pants and a um, crew neck and it comes today i'm very excited about it perfect timing perfect very very good i couldn't think of a fun intro for today my brain is kind of fried and also this isn't gonna be the most fun episode yeah it's a very intense episode oh yeah and our lovely producers are here (gasps) sydney who is a, a newlywed Mrs. Sydney last name? That's <laughs> not to be mentioned. And Corelli, of course. Mm-hmm. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. I know you are all pretty burnt out and tired. These three are really not doing so hot today. <laughs> it was a heavy weekend. It, it was. Like... It was a heavy weekend. Oh boy. But we're here. And Sydney's married. Yes. Sydney, and tell married. us about the big day. Oh, it was awesome. It was so much fun. I'm glad you all were there. Um yeah, I can't believe it's all done. It was like, a lot of planning for nine months, and then mm-hmm. the day was there. And it, I mean, did it go by fast? Um, the moment that I left the room, like doing the first look, mm-hmm. I literally felt like it just Zoomed. went so fast. Like the morning of, I was kind of like, okay, it's kind of taking a while. I was mm-hmm. almost just like, you know, because mm-hmm. I was stuck in that room pretty much all day. Yeah, <laughs> but. No, I mean, it was fun. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Truly, we got so lucky with the weather. Oh, my God. It was perfect. And perfect. I know. And thank goodness, because yesterday was not great. And I was like, wow, that could have been bad. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was pretty nervous to do my vows. And I didn't think it was going to be that hard. And then I got up there and I struggled a little bit. So. Really I didn't even good. notice. You did great. They were say, beautiful. You were like very well spoken. Mm-hmm. You took your pauses. You weren't like just rushing through it. The That's ceremony good. was so sincere. Mm-hmm. It was so heartfelt and not like drawn out. It was just the perfect length of time. The weather, like they said, was just perfection. The whole the wedding was perfect. Was. Not a single thing went wrong. Even yeah. remember last week's episode, I was like, you know, something will probably go wrong. That's how it always goes. But yeah. Nothing. The only thing that went wrong is I cut my hand. Uh, oh, you and did? it was bleeding while walking down the aisle. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> I was like push it against your flowers. <laughs> so I'm line where you know you line up with the, the groomsmen before you walk down, and like two minutes before, I was washing my hands and I grabbed this soap dispenser that was glass and it like I felt a little cut and I was like, huh, where? But then I like forgot about it, and then was standing in line and I looked down and I'm like, what's all over my hand? And there's like blood. Oh my and God. I'm like, and it's still it's not like gushing blood, but it was like you know, coming enough. out. Of, yeah, yeah, it was enough. And we were in line, like getting ready to go. And I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And the guy who was standing next to me, he's like, are you okay? I was like, I don't know what to do. And I felt bad because we were like join arms with my bloody ass hands. I was like, I promise I won't get it on me. <laughs> but it was fine. Yeah. But it was so pretty and so sweet. The reception was so much fun, so much dancing. Yeah. It was really yeah. fun. Yeah. It was That's really great. fun. I was sweating. I was dancing oh, so much. Same. I was sweating a lot. It's so much fun. Yeah, it was such mm-hmm. a blast. A little wild. And now you're married. Yep. How's it feel to be a miss? Good. <laughs> it's exciting. I mean, 
I don't know. Jared and I are just like in a, it's like a state of bliss. I'm like, oh, I know that. Yeah. Did you, were you happy to see Callie? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was really happy to see her. She was excited. I was really thankful we had somebody to let her out because our oh, sitter yeah. last minute, things had changed like his wife or whatever. They couldn't watch her anymore. That was, was that was the, like probably the one. Just like the only panics. Yeah. She would have had to come to the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holly rode in a little car. Oh. She did. Yeah. We can insert a clip. Freaking cute. That was a cute God. Thing ever. Mm-hmm. And she was like eating it up because we were oh, all she wondering was. like, will she be a little shook with all these people looking at her? Will she like she start crying? It. She did have one moment where I saw her face and she looked like she didn't see anyone she knew. Aww. And she looked kind of scared, but then she saw me and then she was fine. She was just looking around yeah. like she did great. Hey. She sat me. through the whole ceremony. Couldn't believe it. That, yeah, that was impressive. And yep. we got a, a really good photo with her, with her smiling yes. before. I was like, oh, <laughs> so cute. Can't wait she to was see sitting it. there like this. Yeah, she was like, mm. yeah. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, it was, it was like the best day. It really was. It was so, so fun. Thank you so much for including us. We oh my so gosh. much fun. Of course. Yeah, it was. Blast. Couldn't have done it without all of you guys there. I mean, literally, it, it was just, it means so much. Like, we had so many family members and, I was kind of stressed about that, but I feel like everyone, you know, gave yeah. space and then also it was nice to catch up with people. But I was a little concerned, like, oh, gosh, we're going to be bombarded by all these people. But it mm. it almost, I don't know, it didn't seem too bad. Your family was great. Mm-hmm. I yeah, loved meeting everyone. <laughs> it was so much fun. They were super nice. Yeah. Fun family. You have a very fun family. Yeah. And you handled it so well. Never a bridezilla moment. No. I was hoping. I wanted her to have like a little moment. And I was kind of hoping too. No, (laughs) she was just relaxed, having fun, worried about everyone else, complimenting everyone else. Mm -hmm. You're just the best, Sydney. I love you so much. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. And I love you and Jared together. So cute. It is crazy seeing like, of course, when I'm like sitting there during the ceremony, all these memories are coming back from like college and when you guys were long distance and then afterwards and... You know, when you lived in North Carolina and when we visited you guys in Asheville and it's just like, oh, I got so emotional thinking about everything. Like, wow, I cannot <laughs> believe I'm sitting here watching these two get married after all this time. It was you literally, I looked at you, you were like, I'm not doing well. I was you're like, I need to bite my cheek and go to a different place. <laughs> oh, I kept having to like pinch into my really. thigh. Yeah, that was kind of my move is I would just like <laughs> pinch myself. I started getting really emotional before we even, before anything started. I don't know why. The most emotional of it all for me was like seeing... Jared's mom and your mom getting ready with us. Oh, yeah. Once they had their dresses on, it started like, I don't know if I started picturing myself and right. whatever in the future when my daughter's grown up. Yeah. I mean, if she gets married or whatever, but just thinking of your child growing up was very emotional. Oh, I was sure. starting to get really, and then when you put your dress on, oh, yeah. so beautiful. Your dress, she, dress. Her dress was unbelievably gorgeous and perfect for oh, you. It, you. You looked amazing. You could have been on the cover of like a bridal bride, magazine. No, one hundred percent. David's bridal. Seriously, she was so. It's such like a timeless <laughs> bride. Timeless, classic, very timeless, beautiful mm-hmm. dress. Fit you perfectly. You looked amazing. Your back looked really good. I know. I'm really glad you weird, did it up, but Your back just like looked beautiful. No, yeah. Thank you. I was. I was looking at. It, I was like, oh my god, I really. And I had. There was no reason I wasn't gonna fit. I mean, because I just tried it on week prior, but. You know, it was just, I had a little bit of those nerves. No, I mean, it was, I loved it. I mean, it was great. I felt comfortable. I could move around. The only thing, it was kind of long, so yeah. I almost tripped. Yeah. Minutes, but. Well, <laughs> hey, that's going to happen. Yeah. 
But anyway, we do have so much to get into today. Yes. We This is going to be a full episode of CSI. We have a ton to cover, so we want to jump right into things here. Um, we're going to be talking about Danny Masterson. We're going to be talking about Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. Um, there's lots going on there. If you haven't heard of it, I'm sure most of you have. We will also be talking about Ruby Frankie and Eight Passengers and her arrest. So that happened the day we recorded our last episode. Yep. So yeah, we're lots have come out, but yeah, many more things has come out since then. And there's a lot to go over there. Crazy situation. I had never really followed their whole, I heard about them. I had heard about them. Never too. really knew how horrible it was. I don't think anyone expected it to be this no. bad. And this is like made mainstream news. Like my mom oh, called yeah. me was like, have you heard about mm-hmm. this? I was like, yeah, we're talking about it. Yeah. Tons of week. people have asked me about it too. Um, And by the way, I know you guys know this, but we do record a few days in advance. And usually if something updates, we will, we record an update, but we're probably not gonna be able to do that this week. Um, cause of just our schedules and Kendall's leaving town for a bit. So, um, you know, this is as up to date as we can get it for Monday, the 11th. Yep. Um, yeah, is like so much keeps coming out but with both of these stories or mm-hmm. it's just wild. So also before we forget, we are changing the sesh upload date along with pretty much all of our other shows except for lights out. Um just smile higher. Oh yeah, oh. and your channel. Yep. I'm going to Tuesdays, yeah. Smile Higher is going to Thursdays, and Sesh is going to Wednesdays. And I know that you guys don't really like when we switch things up. Trust me, we have reasons for it. We are doing things to make it better for our team, better for us, better for our content, especially because we cover things that are, we cover a lot of current events. And so we want to be able to get our episodes up sooner than we used to as we've dove more into the, you know, news sphere here. Yep. So that's why we're so doing that early. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I and guess in welcome. that sense, that's, you'll <laughs> you're probably welcome. be happy. I'm sure the mile higher people are gonna be like, meh, in my Which, channel. Um, by the I way, it. I get it. If you guys don't know this, we do premieres on YouTube every week for all of our shows. And basically what that means is it's not live, like it's still pre-recorded, but mm-hmm. it's a, there's like a live chat going on and you're all kind of watching it on the same, at the same timeline, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. They're really fun. And uh, at least a few of us from each show get on there mm-hmm. and chat with you guys every week. So if you've never tried that out, it's, you just go to YouTube and all of our shows typically go live at, um... Uh, 12 p.m. Mountain Time. So if you ever want to join the premieres. Yeah, it's fun. I love being able to hop onto the chat. I don't get to very often because we're always recording another show when it's premiering. It's just the way our schedule works. But I do try to hop on and I love seeing what you guys say. And I love seeing the we get to see the chat afterwards. It stays there. Mm -hmm. So if you miss the premiere, you can watch the live chat Mm -hmm. um, on YouTube later on. But yeah, it's a cool feature. I really enjoy it. Let's jump in. Okay, so Danny Masterson. If you don't know who he is, he is from that '70s show. What was love? That wasn't his show character's so name much. like? Uh, it was Hyde. Yeah, Hyde. Hyde. Good. Yes. It so, and what was his show. character? He was like the um. He was kind of like the uh like bad the boy. older like kind of like more like. I mean, they're all stoners, but he was more like the, like the burnout character. Yeah, like the, bad boy, like the bad kinda. boy. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay, like I don't think he went to school with them or anything. I think he was a little bit older in the show than they were and like his like he Stephen like came, Hyde. Yeah, he came from like a like his dad wasn't in his life or something like that. And like yeah, I I grew up watching the show like a lot. So this is really, really like sad to hear and like sad to see. Like I know this is going on for a long time, but 
it all mm-hmm. coming out just puts such a bad taste. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I know that feeling when you are used to characters on a show and you get kind of attached. I've only seen a couple episodes of That 70s Show. I love it. I'm not really a big sitcom person, but I've always enjoyed the episodes I have seen. It's a great show. It was a great show. And then Ashton Kutcher was on it too. And he was also just one of the friends, correct? Yeah, he was, I mean, kind of played like this idiot character that was like stupid, but like like, everyone thought he was hot and Milo and him had a crush on each other. Oh, on it too, Mm -hmm. right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his um, name was Michael Kelso. And um, yeah, he, and then yeah, Milo was on it as well. Her name was Jackie. I forgot her last name, but she... And him, like, always kind of had a crush on each other. And um, it was just basically, like, a bunch of kids from the neighborhood or from the school that would, like, get together and do stupid shit. And, you know, like, always in the basement. Always in the basement, like, getting stoned. And because the main guy, I've always really liked him, Topher. Yeah. uh, Is the actor. Yeah. Topher Grace. He was Eric um, Foreman. And that was, like, he was, like, I guess the main character. But they were all in it every single episode. Like, they were all pretty much main characters. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, it's crazy because they started this when they were really young. I mean, Mila was 14 and Ashton was 19, I believe. So they kind of like grew up on the show, essentially. Yeah. So that's yeah. how Ashton and Mila met. Yes. I see. So just last week, Danny Masterson was sentenced to 30 years for two rapes. 30 years to life, I believe. Yeah. 30 years to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's let's back it up here to which we're going to be backing it up all the way to, to 2001. But let's start here in March 2017 when the Los Angeles Police Department conducted started conducting their investigation over three Danny Masterson sexual assault claims. And really quick, just a disclaimer. Um, we actually found an article online that has it broken down in a timeline. So we're reading directly from that. We'll link it below if you want to look at it because we didn't we're not going to touch on every single piece that they have on there. But it is a really easy way to like understand the bigger picture because there's a Mm -hmm. lot of information to go over so like kendall said on march 3rd it was reported that danny was under investigation by lapd over sexual assault allegations and this all kind of came out by a journalist named tony ortega and he has a blog that is about scientology it's called the underground bunker if you don't know danny masterson is a part of the scientology he's a scientologist yeah thank you Scientology church and uh, church. Yeah, I was going to say that's, I guess, a light way to say it. So they come out, they say that they're going to be investigating. And according to one woman's alleged police report obtained by Ortega, again, the journalist, she accused him of having sex with or without her consent while she was asleep. And then a second woman alleged that he sexually assaulted the victim while she was passed out. Um, Now, Danny's rep of course, was like, no, this never happened. So right away, he's been fighting this thing since day one. Um, He said that one of the alleged incidents occurred when the actor was in a six-year relationship with the alleged victim. So, which I don't, I don't know. I have thoughts about like that whole argument of like, well, well, they were dating, so it's not rape. Yeah, okay. Like ridiculous. Yeah. So then on November 2nd, a few months after, a fourth person comes out accusing Danny of sexual assault. Um, And Specifically, this person accuses him of raping her back in the early 2000s. So a lot of this has been going on behind the scenes for a long time now. Yes. And it's finally all starting to come to the surface. And well, they all 
none of them knew about each other, right? The accusers, and then they connected on it and realized, wow, okay, we should go after this guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then November sixteenth, Christy Carnell Bixler comes forward as one of again Danny's victims, and they dated back in the day. Um, and she basically came out and said, "I'm no longer going to be silent, and the only way to protect ourselves is to speak." Then December twentieth. A actress named uh, Bobette Rialis comes forward um, again, accusing Danny of sexual assault. And she and him dated again in the early 2000s. So a lot of similarities here. And I mm-hmm. think it's very common to see this type of pattern of like, you know, one person comes out and mm-hmm. then a lot of more other people come out because you feel like, oh, I'm not alone in this. I have support. Mm-hmm. Maybe people will believe me. I feel empowered because it's a yeah. lot. Sadly, a lot of times. When someone comes out and accuses someone of something, people won't believe them. Oh, yeah. We see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She said, Danny Masterson repeatedly raped me. All I seek is justice to prevent this from ever happening to anyone else, as it has for some time. Um, My truth will be heard. I applaud her strength as well. Referring to Chrissy. Right. Yeah. So then fast forward to August 12th, 2019. So a few years later. All four of the accusers end up suing Danny and the Church of Scientology. Like we said, he's a Scientologist. And they accuse that the Scientologist church has basically kind of been involved in keeping this under the rug and trying to stay hush-hush about it. Which, of course, is not shocking. It's very much their style. Exactly. They said that um, they were stalked and intimidated after accusing the actor of raping them in the early 2000s. So... That's why they, you know, it took them for so long to really come forward. And that's why they're suing the church. So in the complaint obtained by people, Chrissy, Bobette, and two anonymous Jane Doe's, which all of them were referred to as Jane Doe's at some point, yeah. And then their information has come out. Right. Chrissy spe- specifically was Jane Doe number three. We're going to be talking about her much more. Um, but they accused Danny and the church of engaging in stalking physical invasion of privacy and conspiracy to obstruct justice among other allegations claiming they and their families were harassed in an effort to silence them. Bixler's husband was also a plaintiff. Um, The four women claimed in the lawsuit that they were systematically stalked and subsequently suffered emotional distress after filing reports with the LAPD. They sought unspecified damages and demanded a trial by jury. And in a statement, Danny had said, this is beyond ridiculous. I'm not going to fight my ex-girlfriend in the media like she's been baiting me to do for more than two years. I will beat her in court and look forward to it because the public will finally be able to learn the truth and see how I've been railroaded by this woman. And once her lawsuit is thrown out, I intend to sue her and the others who jumped on the bandwagon for the damage they caused me and my family. In a statement at the time, a litigation counsel for the Church of Scientology told People Magazine, from everything we have read in the press... This baseless lawsuit will go nowhere because the claims are ludicrous and a sham. It's a dishonest and hallucinatory public stunt. Leah Remney is taking advantage of these people as pawns in her money-making scam, which has kind of always been the Church of Scientology's claim towards Leah Remney, that she is just trying to make money off of Scientology, which she is absolutely not. She was a member of the church for 35 years, went through so, so much. Her book is fantastic if you ever want to read it, or I listened to it on Audible. It was really good. Um, but she has been an outspoken critic of the church. She is an advocate for victims of the church, yeah. the church. I don't even like saying church. It's a fucking cult. Let's totally. Um, but she's awesome. Of course they, they blame it on her. Yeah. June 17th, 2020. 
Danny Masterson is then charged with raping three women. The Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office announced that Masterson had been charged with three counts of rape by force or fear. Prosecutors alleged that Masterson raped a 23-year-old woman sometime in 2001, a 28-year-old woman in April of 2003, and a uh, 23-year-old woman between October and December of 2003. Deputy District Attorney Reinhold Mueller of the Sex Crimes Division said that all of the alleged crimes occurred at Masterson's home. October 19th, 2020, a Los Angeles judge ruled that Danny Masterson's rape case will move forward. And it sure did. Now, the defense was trying to have it thrown out because of statute limitations. They were arguing that too much time had passed. Judge ruled that that's bullshit. You're going to court. Um, and this took a while to really like come yeah, through. A long time. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. basically, I mean, it starts in May of 2021. Um, the first of Danny's accusers takes the sand to describe their alleged rape. Um, she said that she was drugged at Danny's house and woke up to the actor raping her 18 years ago. She explained that she went to his house to pick up a pair of keys from him on April 25th, 2003, but was waylaid and uh, decided to join in on some drinks and hang out with some friends. And then about 20 minutes after she accepted the vodka mixed drink from Danny, her vision became blurry and the actor pushed her into a jacuzzi. So then she went into detail about how after he brought her upstairs, he put her in the shower where she threw up and then put her on his bed where it happened and that she was too weak to fight him off. And she said that the memory is kind of blurry. She only has flashes of the memory, but um, he pulled her hair and threatened her with a gun after she made attempts to put, push him off. Insane. Threatened her with a gun. And I want you to keep in mind the recurring theme in a lot of these is drugs. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting because later on, yeah, just keep that in mind. Yeah. Also, Sydney, can you play that clip of Danny being interviewed where he talks about the shower? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. He DM'd me on the Twitter and said, make sure you ask the Masterson his advice. The best way to make a move on a girl once you've got him back to your place. Oh, you can just invite him for a shower. Of course. That's the move that's been missing. Yeah. You say you need to clean yourself? Well, you know, you say, let's go clean ourselves together. Uh, like it's conversational. Like, you know, like we're you're like, oh, we should go take a shower. Do you ever pat him on the ass and say, good game, let's hit the showers? After the shower. <laughs> After you've had a good game. <laughs> then you give them a right. good game. Good game. Uh, I think next week's episode is where James LaShore convinces me to have a devil's threesome Hello. with him and Stacey Keebler. Whoa. So, so we, <laughs> we tag team the shit out of her. A devil's threesome? <laughs> Otherwise known as a Berduda triangle. <laughs> Berduda. We went the Eiffel Tower. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, Is that anything like Silk and Twist? Yeah. <laughs> it's what Silk and Twist used to do. We used to do that after our shows. <laughs> with sheep, but they're doing yeah. it with Keebler. Who's counting? Again. Sick. So that was on um, Chrissy Bixler's story that she posted that. And she made a good point on the story that isn't that what Harvey Weinstein allegedly did with his victims. Make them shower. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's really creepy. Yep. Jesus. So May 19th, 2021, the second of Danny Masterson's accusers delivers testimony to the court about her alleged rape. 
A day after Danny's first accuser took the stand, another woman detailed her alleged rape in court. She claimed that she was drugged and raped 18 years ago by Danny, five years into their relationship together in November of 2001. She said, I tried pushing him off me and saying, no, I don't want to have sex with you. Um, But he wouldn't stop. So I did something that I knew would make him angry and likely get him off me. I pulled his hair. He has these rules. No touch hair rule. No touch face rule. He had this thing about his hair. So I knew that if I pulled it really, really hard, he would get off me. But what he did was hit me. Then she went on to claim that Danny had raped her while she was unconscious. Although she reported the alleged incident to the Church of Scientology, she said in court that the officials allegedly told her that she was not raped and she did not report the incident to the police until 15 years later. Furthermore, the Church of Scientology denied all of these women's allegations. Of course they did. May 20th, 2021, the third of Danny Masterson's accusers delivers testimony into the court about her alleged rape. Danny's third accuser spoke in court on May 20th, saying that the actor demanded she come over to his house one night and then later raped her. When he told her to take her clothes off, she said she listened because I didn't want any violence to take place. I didn't want things to escalate. I was giggling, trying to say, no, I don't want to. She said that she listened to what he asked of her that night, partly because of his position of authority that he held based on the high level he had reached in the Church of Scientology. That's so scary. Mm-hmm. It seriously is so culty. Ugh, oh, yeah. I hate it. The All the things that we do know about the Church of Scientology, think of all the things we, we don't, don't know, know that haven't been uncovered. There are endless secrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad, bad news so may 31st 2023 two years later mm -hmm, danny is finally convicted of two counts of rape a jury at a los angeles superior court determined that danny is guilty of two counts of rape after jurors deliberated for more than seven days a third count of rape resulted in a hung jury danny was handcuffed and immediately sent to jail then just last week September 7th, 2023, Danny Masterson gets a sentence of 30 years to life in prison after being convicted of two counts of rape in May. Before Danny was sentenced, the two women he was convicted of raping gave victim impact statements. One of them said, when you raped me, you stole from me. This was from his 2003 victim. That's what rape is, a theft of the spirit, which that is a very powerful statement Mm -hmm. right there. You are pathetic, disturbed, and completely violent, she continued. The world is better off with you in prison. The other victim told the court that she knew he belonged behind bars for the safety of all women he came in contact with. I am sorry. I am so upset. I wish I had reported him sooner to the police. And now we know that Ashton and Mila, along with 50 other people, including actress Deborah Jo Roop and actor Kurtwood Smith, who played Kitty and Red Foreman on That 70 Show. Now, those are the parents mm-hmm. of one of the main guys. They all wrote letters of support, character letters, to the judge during Danny's trial. And this was after he was found guilty that they mm-hmm. wrote these letters, which that has been a big point of confusion. People think that they wrote this before they knew he was guilty. No, they knew. Yep. So one of the people who wrote letters in support include his wife, actress and model uh, Bijou Phillips and actor William Baldwin, who is married to Phillips' half-sister Shina Mm -hmm. Phillips and actor Giovanni Mm -hmm. Ribisi. 
who, like Masterson, belongs to the search of Scientology. There's a lot of Scientology with all these people. Aren't the parents, too? The uh, Kitty and Red? Yeah. They're Scientologists, too? Pretty sure, yeah. Wow. There, there's a lot of them in uh, Scientology from this show. So these letters are very shocking. Um, yeah, let's read the one which, from Ash and- Yeah, they were under the impression that these were just going to the judge and they wouldn't be made public. Because I don't think they would have agreed to write them if they knew that everyone I would was hope going not, to see them. Because you look yeah. like a fucking idiot. Yeah. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashton says, my name is Ashton Kutcher. I am an actor, investor, philanthropist, and most importantly, a father. I met Danny Masterson when I was 20 years old in 1998. He instantly became a friend, dedicated co-worker, and role model to me, and has remained as such for 25 years. As a friend, Danny has been nothing but a positive influence on me. He's an extraordinarily honest and intentional human being. Over a 25-year relationship, I don't ever recall him lying to me. He's taught me about being direct and confronting issues in life and relationships head-on, resolving them, and moving forward. Danny is a person that is consistently there for you when you need him. We've traveled around the world together, raised our daughters together, and shared countless family moments. Not only is he a good friend to me, and I've witnessed him be a good friend to others and the kind of brother others would be lucky to have. As a role model, Danny has consistently been an excellent one. I attribute not falling into the typical Hollywood life of drugs directly to Danny. Anytime, okay, what? Yeah. Anytime that we were to meet someone or interact with someone who was on drugs or did drugs, he made it clear that that wouldn't be a good person to be friends with. And for me... That was an implication that if I were to do drugs, he wouldn't want to be friends with me, which is something I never would want to jeopardize. I am grateful to him for that positive peer pressure. Interesting side note, how mm-hmm. you're saying this when it seems as though he used drugs to rape his victims. Yep. Ironic. He also set an extraordinary standard around how you treat other people. There was an incident where we were at a pizza parlor and a belligerent man entered who was berating his girlfriend. We had never met or seen these people before, but Danny was the first person to jump to the defense of the girl. It was an incident he didn't have to get involved in, but proactively chose to because the way this man was behaving was not right. He also always treated people with decency, equality, and generosity. After 9-11, Danny was a huge advocate for support of the firefighters affected by the event, rallying his friends and coworkers to pitch in however they could. Danny had his daughter a year before I had mine, and he set the standard of being a hands-on dad. We have spent countless hours together with our kids, and he is among few people that I would trust to be alone with my son and daughter. He's Un- a- that is the f- most frightening fucking statement in this know, whole thing. I know. What? You're talking about a convicted rapist, rapist. with multiple victims. I know. I'm stunned. He's also a dedicated and loyal husband with unwavering commitment to his wife. We've spent hundreds of hours working together. Danny takes his job seriously. He is kind, courteous, and hardworking. He treated everyone from the grips to the teamsters to the actors to the caterers as equals. He showed up on time all the time and always pulled his weight. We have also traveled around the world together promoting our work. I can honestly say that no matter where we were or who we were with, I never saw my friend be anything other than the guy I have described. While I'm aware that the judgment has been cast as guilty on two counts of rape by force and the victims have a great desire for justice, I hope that my testament to him and his character is taken into consideration in sentencing. I do not believe he is an ongoing harm to society and having his daughter raised without a present father would be a tertiary injustice in and of itself. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Wow. I have so many thoughts. Um, that is so <laughs> concerning that this dude was found guilty and you're like, yeah, but 
Like my kids could be around him. And I mean, obviously this is just my opinion, but the way that he is saying things is acting as if he doesn't believe these victims, right? right? Like I am aware that the judgment has been cast as guilty on two counts of rape by force and the victims have a great desire for justice. There's nothing about, I am aware that he raped two women or multiple women um, and is now going to jail for yes, it. Yes. And wh- where's the part about, and these women deserve justice. justice. These victims deserve justice. There's nothing like that. There's no concern for them. It is basically like, I never saw this, so it didn't happen. And that is such a toxic mindset that we see all the time where, well, I didn't experience that with that person. So that couldn't have been the case. And that's like basically what his statement is saying. And again, I'm sure if he knew that this was going to be public, he would have worded things very differently. Um, Mila also wrote a letter to the judge. Um, She said to the Honorable Judge Almedo, I am writing this character letter on behalf of my dear friend, Danny Masterson, to have to call someone your dear friend who has been convicted of rape. What the fuck is wrong with you people with whom I have had the privilege of sharing a significant part of my life? My name is Mila Kunis. I am an actress, and I believe it is essential to share the remarkable influence Danny has had on my life and the lives of others. Yeah. Okay. And the lives of others. Makes me sick, literally. It's insane. I first met Danny during our time working together on that 70s show, and from the very beginning, I could see his innate goodness and genuine nature. Throughout our time together, Danny has proven to be an amazing friend, confident, and above all else, outstanding older brother figure to me. He is caring, his caring nature, sorry, I'm getting mad. His caring nature and ability to offer guidance have been instrumental in my growth, both personally and professionally. One of the most remarkable aspects of Danny's character is his unwavering commitment to discouraging the use of drugs. Why are they putting that in there, knowing that? All of this has already come out about the fact that he was drugging. Like, are you basically just Hoping trying to, to like, sway oh, the lying. judge? Yeah. No, that's, they're lying. Mm-hmm. I think that's, she wasn't drugged. Mm-hmm. I think that's he doesn't what do they drugs. Only really to like discredit the victims. Absolutely yep. disgusting. His influence on me in this regard has been invaluable. In an industry where the pressures and temptations of substance abuse can be overwhelming, Danny played a pivotal role in guiding me away from such destructive paths. His dedication to avoiding all substances has inspired not only me, but countless others in our circle. Danny's steadfastness in promoting a drug-free lifestyle has been a guiding light in my journey through the entertainment world has helped me prioritize my well-being and focus of making on making responsible choices. His genuine concern for those around him and his commitment to leading by example make him an outstanding role model and friend. Disgusting. Ugh. Shocking. It really is shocking. These two. Mm -hmm. Danny's role as a husband and father to his daughter has been nothing short of extraordinary. Witnessing his interactions with his daughter has been heartwarming and enlightening. He prioritizes his family, education, and happiness above all else, demonstrating his unwavering commitment to being a loving and responsible parent. As a father, he leads by example. What the fuck? Instilling in her values that reflect integrity, compassion, and respect for others. Moreover, Danny has consistently displayed a profound sense of responsibility and care for those around him. He demonstrates grace and empathy in every situation, be it within the entertainment industry or in our personal lives. His steady support and understanding presence make him a reliable source of guidance and comfort for all of us. You are talking about a rapist. 
Danny Masterson's warmth, humor, and positive outlook on life have been a driving force in shaping my character and the way I approach life's challenges. His unwavering commitment to being an exceptional older brother figure to me has it has had a transformative impact on my life, instilling a sense of self-belief and encouraging me to aim for greatness, but all while maintaining a sense of humility. In conclusion, I wholeheartedly vouch for Danny Masterson's exceptional character and the tremendous positive influence he has had on me and the people around him. His dedication to leading a drug-free life and the genuine care he extends to others, making him an outstanding role model and friend. Please feel free to reach out for me if you require any further information or clarification. Sincerely, Mila Kunis. Now, they say that they wrote these because his family reached out to them and asked them mm-hmm. to. Unbelievable. I, as you can tell, I'm just like blown away and speechless. I know you've always been a, a big fan of Mila. <laughs> yeah. I've always been a big fan of Ashton. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I grew up always having a crush on him. I had shirts that said, like Miss Kutcher loved Ashton. I mm-hmm. always did. And then I was so moved by his statement to Congress. He got up there and talked about human trafficking and then he started Thorn. And I was just like so moved by the way he spoke that I wanted to help um, his organization Thorn, which many of you, so many people have reached out to me asking about that. Some people have been a little aggressive about it, assuming I'm like friends with yeah. Ashton Kutcher or have had any type of relationship with him. We've never spoken, heard no. anything from him or no. anyone remotely I close. never heard anything. No. So years ago, I did fundraising for Thorne. I made personal donations to Thorne. And I decided to stop doing that a while back and focused on other nonprofits. Um, there were many reasons why, some of that behind the scenes stuff. But I was also hearing some things about Thorne that were... Um, very concerning. I'm going to jump to that here. I have some things in my notes that I wanted to point out about Thorn. So Thorn has created a technology. It's a product called Spotlight, which uses facial recognition to scrape the internet of um, escort ads and make a database of them. The technology does not differentiate between potentially exploited children and consensual adult sex workers. Then Thorn sells this data to law enforcement the more I learned about that, I very yeah, did not want to be part of that anymore. Um, he told CNN that in 2011, 100,000 to 300,000 kids are sex trafficked every year in the U.S. And this is an inflated statistic based on a 2001 study, which actually said that the number of kids that were, were at risk for being sex trafficked. Um, and even that was based in shoddy and widely discredited data from the 90s. So yeah, I had decided a while ago that I I didn't want to work with Thorne anymore, which we never we never had any type of formal partnership or I was just I on my own decided to fundraise for them and sent them donations and there was never any type of like agreement or some people have said like you're sponsored by Thorne. I'm like, okay, you guys are very confused. I've no She's never like made money off of Thorne. No, absolutely ever. not. No, I just was donating to them because I really did believe in the mission yeah. and I thought they were doing some groundbreaking work and a lot of the people that work there are doing some great things and were, you know, and it's very questionable now. Um, I don't know. That's all I'm going to say on that. But I want to make it clear that I have no affiliation with Thorne anymore. And I haven't worked with or donated to them in years. So this was pretty and shocking to me. Obviously, if this had come out, she would have never done it to begin with. Yeah. Like, I mean, this was not, none of this was known. <laughs> everything's in hindsight. People, right. People don't always get that. But yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I did um, decide to not. It just annoys work me that people anymore. are like being rude to you when you've literally are only doing <laughs> well, it to help people. I know that was why I did it, but yeah, that's the internet. And people don't always get things. But obviously, I didn't have all this inside information. I'm not besties with Ashton. Never, never talked to the dude. But I was a fan. I won't lie. I was a fan, and I, I was really inspired and moved by his, um, his work and his words and. This was shocking to me as someone who claims to be an advocate for victims, child victims that's of what makes sexual so abuse, twisted. sexual assault, rape, sex trafficking. And that's why I'm like, this was so out of left field for me. And you're friends with the rapist. And yep. not only that, but instead of like, oh, my God, my friend is a rapist. That's insane. I got to reevaluate this relationship. They write letters. And it's not like they were forced to write these letters. No. They're not subpoenaed to do this. They chose to do it. Um, who was it? Another one of the cast members from uh, the 70s show? Se- show, whatever. Um, Lauren, I remember her character vaguely. Uh, Laura Prepron. Yeah, Prep-ron. she she chose not to write a letter. So they certainly did not have to do this. Yeah, there was really no uh, no feeling for the victims. And then, you know, this comes out and people are fucking pissed and confused and shocked. And they release a terrible apology video. Yeah. Um, one of the worst wild. I've seen. This, this is, is so bad. Right up there with Colleen, I think. Ugh. Really fucking All bad. All missing is a ukulele. Yep. So, yeah, let's, let's play that and take a look. It's so short. It is breathtakingly short. It's pathetic. And I love how they're sitting behind, like, a dusty-ass wall, which <laughs> I saw someone is saying... I saw someone talking about how in their architectural digest video like they have one of those house tour things yeah. on youtube you can see this wall it's like in their backyard um up against like a shed thing oh, okay and it's very clear that they were told by their pr team to like sit in front of oh. like a janky looking not janky but you know what i mean like just don't be in a fancy be place be in a humble Hum- place yeah. and wear like a t-shirt look like you just rolled out of bed for this one but what's crazy is that and you'll see this mila the way she speaks sounds like she's acting during it Oh, like I totally like thought the same. Script. Yes. I was like, it's this... like they have a teleprompter. Yeah. Clearly very rehearsed. But I was like, dude, that is such a weird look for you. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You've no. Well, it's like <sighs> they have they have people. They have a whole PR team that probably helped them put together. Someone thought this was a good fucking idea and put I this know. out. I am stunned. And this was put out to uh, Ashton Kutcher's Instagram account. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I'm... let's take a look here. We are aware of the pain that has been caused by the character letters that we wrote on behalf of Danny Masterson. We support victims. We have done this historically through our work and will continue to do so in the future. She sounds like a couple acting. months ago, Danny's mm-hmm. family reached out to us and they asked us to write character letters to represent the person that we knew for 25 years so that the judge could take that into full consideration relative to the sentencing. The letters were not written to question the legitimacy of the judicial system or the validity of the jury's ruling. They were intended for the judge to read um, and not to undermine the testimony of the victims or re-traumatize them in any way. We would never want to do that. And we're sorry if that has taken place. Our heart goes out to every single person who's ever been a victim of sexual assault, sexual abuse, or rape. We are aware. Dude, that is the worst thing I've ever heard. It seriously is. And God, I have so many thoughts. Not to question, what did she say? The validity of the legal system and of the the jury. But not, she never once said to question the validity of Of the victim's stories. 
And then what is up with that blanket statement of like, we are sorry to all victims of anything ever. Goodbye. That was like mind-blowingly bad. Terrible. And the way they presented it pissed me off too. It looked like they were reading. Mm-hmm. Like they knew when each other's parts were. It looks oh, like... Oh no, that was very It looked rehearsed. like uh, like Ashton's eyes were tracking. 100%. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terrible. You mm-hmm. couldn't have taken a second cut of that and t- tried a little harder. I know. I don't know what... I don't know what they were thinking with that. That was absolutely insane. Now, what's crazy is after that whole thing came out, all these old clips have started resurfacing of Ashton saying some weird shit about people. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at yeah, some of them. Let's listen to this. In Lizzie Wire, she also has an album out. Um, she's going to be in a movie called Cheaper by the Dozen. And she's one of the girls that we're all waiting Ew. for to turn 18. Along with the old any 15 getting a job and uh, i didn't Working know with me. <sighs> yeah she was as hot as she was you know 14 14 she was even hotter but i'm not allowed to say that 14 when we started the show i was like 19 right right and they're like okay you guys are going to be making out in this scene and i'm like thinking like wait this is like slightly illegal say, that's right that's probably your first kiss ever right what is my first kiss why is someone bet you made with Danny about our first kiss? No, it wasn't the first kiss. <laughs> it was like a second or third kiss. It was the first. Look at the first week. No, it was not the first week. Whatever. Let me tell you what right, happened. No, let me no, tell no, you what happened. No, okay. Yeah. I never kissed yeah. the guy. So okay. I was, I was so. I mean, you know, Ash was attractive, and yeah. I was a fourteen-year-old little girl, and I was extremely scared for my life. Sure. And no, he, he was very nice about it. He was like, "Oh, don't worry." So I was like, "Okay." So then Danny goes and goes, "Dude, I'll give you ten dollars if you French kiss her." What would you stick my stick your tongue in my mouth or some? What? No, 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 no. $10. You're making it sound like it was like really uh, it, okay. Dan, we had a little side bet, yeah. don't we? Yeah. Like, Which was it wasn't very side. Whether or not you know, like you know, you're kissing on the show or boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. You would use tongue, right, Rosie? Like, I mean, you would use. Show, and you're watching uh, Kimmy Creek TV. Hi, I'm Matthew Winter, and I'm from that seventy show TV. No, that seventy yeah, show too. Yeah. But, and the reason I'm doing this is not because I think in the Greece is good, but because Josh told me Mila would sit on my lap if I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels good. <laughs> so, Danny's been uh, making bets with people since Mila mm-hmm. was 14. Him and Ashton got a little bet going on. She was probably so, and clearly groomed on that set. Oh, yeah. There was other clips of her being like, yeah, I'm like, how... I ended up making out with like almost everyone on that set or something. And I'm just like, wow, how times have changed too for that clip. What was that? The Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah. Imagine if they had gotten out there and said that type of thing now. And Ro- and the host was like, mm-hmm. Oh, tell yeah. me about this bet. Mm-hmm. 14 years old. Wow. What a scandal. Sick. It's very creepy. It's very creepy. Okay. So now let's talk about Chrissy <sighs> Carnell Bixler. One of Danny Masterson's victims, Jane Doe number three, as she was referred to, who made a post to Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis on her Instagram story. She says, Dear Ashton, I know the secrets your role model keeps for you, ones that would end you. Did you forget I was there? You were on speakerphone that night you called Danny on February 21st, 2001. I heard everything. I heard the plan. In my opinion, you're just as sick as your mentor. And she says, Dear Mila, 
I pray you begin to process what you experienced as a child on that set. Your old interviews are very telling. I encourage everyone to watch them and decide for yourself what you hear and see. Do so before they get scrubbed from the internet. I also know what happened in Toronto and after. Question. If that's what you view as a normal relationship with a big brother figure, then I feel very sad for you. I hope you consider getting into therapy. I was there the whole time, those first five years of that 70s show. I remember everything. Now, going back to what she said to Ashton, she is, by saying February 21st, 2001, she is referencing the murder of Ashley Ellerin, who was a 22-year-old fashion design student at the Institute of Design and Merchandising She was also a part-time stripper in Las Vegas, and she was very newly dating Ashton Kutcher at the time that she was murdered on February 21st, 2001. Um, They started dating just at the beginning of February, so just weeks before her brutal murder. And it happened inside of her Los Angeles apartment. She was murdered by Michael Thomas Gargulo. Gargulo? I think it's Gargulo. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, who gives a shit about his name? But anyway, he stabbed Ashley 47 times. It was a horrific scene. Um, He's also known as the boy next door killer or the Hollywood Ripper. And he is currently on death row. He had other victims as well. Uh, Maria Bruno, it was 2005 when Maria Bruno, who was 32 years old at the time, was fatally stabbed in her sleep in the Los Angeles suburb of El Monte. In a frightening coincidence, her new apartment was just steps away from where Michael lived. Oh. Trisha Picaccio was murdered when she um, was returning home from a night out with friends. She was brutally and fatally stabbed on her doorstep at her family's home and attempted to murder Michelle Murphy. So Ashton ties back into this because when they were dating, he was going to go pick her up from this party. Um, he, This is the story according to him. He said that there was no answer when he knocked on her door. And then he found out later that she was dead inside. He had told the court that he went to pick up the woman he was dating in 2001, but left because she did not answer the door, only to learn the next day that she had been lying dead inside. He said, I knocked on the door. There was no answer. Knocked again. And once again, no answer. At this point, I was pretty well assumed that she had left for the night and that I was late and she was upset. He was, you know, running late for some reason. And she just, he thought that he had, she had already like left with friends or something. Mm-hmm. He said, I saw what I thought was red wine on the carpet, which he like claims he had like looked through the window and saw this red wine on the carpet. But that wasn't alarming because I went to her house party days before and it was like a college party and I didn't think much about it. He claimed, I remember the next day after I heard what happened, I went to the detectives and was freaking out because my fingerprints were on the door. He testified in the trial um, back in 2019. It took a long time to get this guy and, you know, he testified under oath that this is what happened. Now, wh- everything that we're going to talk about going forward is alleged. We have no idea if this is true, but it has been questionable for a while now whether or not that story he gave was actually what happened. And there have been people that have brought up alternate versions of what happened Um, We specifically found this video by Aaron Smith Levin, who grew up in Scientology. He's an ex-Scientologist. He makes videos. I've seen a couple of his videos now. I really like him. We will link his video below. Um, But he claims to know things through the church and that he has heard that Ashton actually did go, again, alleged, not saying this is true by any means, but he says that he had heard, he claims that Ashton went into the house when he went to go pick her up, he 
went into the house, walks in, sees her brutally murdered, sees the blood everywhere, because he also claims that from the window, and that police know this too, according to his claims, that you wouldn't have been able to see the wine, what mm-hmm. he thought was wine, which was actually blood on the carpet. He says that he actually did walk in. He wouldn't have been able to see the blood from the window. Afterwards, he went to his car and then called various members of his team after freaking out, thinking, what do I do next? Instead of calling 911, he claims that he called his team and Danny Masterson talked with them for an hour. And they told him that he doesn't want his career to be associated with this murder. So they should he should just go ahead to the party as if he thought she wasn't home or whatever and went without her and let someone else find her. And he claims that if Ashton had called the police instantly, the police would have been able to prosecute the killer sooner and he wouldn't have gone on to kill someone else because he was eventually caught because of his attempted murder of Michelle Murphy. His DNA was found at the scene. Um, And because he didn't come forward with his story, there would have been enough reasonable doubt because they knew he wouldn't have been able to see the blood from the window and that they weren't able to prosecute him sooner is what this guy is claiming. Let's pull up a little bit of his video um, so you can hear some of it from him directly. Because again, he he does have many ties to the Sci- Church of Scientology. Mm-hmm. So um, And it makes sense because they were basically you know, trying to push everything else under the rug. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah. But it's just odd that, because his video has come out um, like six months ago or something. It's seven. It was like February. Yeah. But of last year of this what year. What he's saying is kind of backing up what Chrissy is saying. Yeah. Like now that she has now said that this, come out. a lot of people are finding this video and going, okay, what the fuck? What does she know? Does she know about this plan? Did Danny help him? come up with a plan to not report it to the police to mm-hmm. leave that party again alleged no idea if this is true um but it will be interesting to see if she comes forward with her and i hope she does because that's that's really fucking serious especially if he lied under oath and everything huh. so if that's true she she needs to come forward with that information is ashton kutcher showed up to the house to pick ashley ellerin up for her date alleged he opened the door. He walked into the house. You couldn't, you cannot see, you could not see the body on the floor from the entryway to the house. He walked into the house. He looked over to the area where he saw her dead body lying on the floor. She was stabbed like 47 times, covered in blood, blood everywhere. Freaked out, left the house. And for about the next hour, sat in his car outside the house, calling various members of his team for advice on what the hell to do. And his team advised him that he didn't want, he should not call the police. He should not be the one to report this. He should not be. It should not be known that he was there. He doesn't want to be the one who discovered the body. Uh, that 70s show was only a couple years old at this point. Um, Ashton Kutcher was not a household name. Uh, they essentially said, this is all you'll be known for. People will think you did it. All this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, this, this will be what people think of when they think of Ashton Kutcher. You don't want that. Go to the party. Go to the party that you were picking 
Ashley up to take her with you to go to the party and then go home. Um, now I'm not making any representations that these are the exact words that were spoken. I'm not even naming the members of Ashton's team that he called, but there's someone else that he called Danny Masterson. He called fricking Danny Masterson. That's how close these guys were. In fact, the night before Ashley was killed, Ashton and Danny and some other people from that 70s show uh, were hanging out at Ashley's house. Okay. So where am I going with this? How, how did Ashton's lies allow a murderer to kill again? The police knew who had killed Ashley Ellerin. They could not prosecute the killer because Ashton Kutcher's lies about discovering the body, saying that he didn't, you know, his lies about the whole thing created so much reasonable doubt, would have been used by the defense attorneys to create reasonable doubt to get the killer off of the murder charges that they chose not to prosecute the person. That was their number one suspect for the murder. The police knew Ashton Kutcher was lying. They knew he couldn't have seen anything on the carpet from the windows outside of the house. They knew the only way Ashton Kutcher would have seen anything on the carpet was because he walked into the house. He lied about not entering the house. By the way, the next murder this guy committed was not even the one that he was caught for. It was an attempted murder after the next murder he committed where the um, victim. He's escaped. talking about Michelle. And um, this murder, I forget his name. I mean, I guess it's right here somewhere. doesn't matter. Gargiulio. Gargiulio had accidentally cut himself in the process of trying to murder this other woman. And so when she escaped, that woman ended up having um, both of their DNA on her. And this has been thoroughly covered. Uh, you know, there's been a book written on this subject. Uh, what's never been uncovered is that Ashton Kutcher's lies that he was telling to protect his, uh, out, out of a greater concern for his career, his budding career, allowed a killer to walk free and kill again. Danny Masterson knew this all the other scientologists around ashton and danny knew this scientology celebrity center president's office knew this and this is an example just an example of what i mean when i say scientology has a lot of dirt on ashton kutcher imagine seeing your girlfriend's apparently dead body on the floor oh, and your first thought isn't, I should call the police. Your first thought is, how's this going to affect my career? And you actually leave the house where your girlfriend's dead body is sitting there. And you go to a party. You go to a goddamn party. And then you go home. And you wait to find out. And then you approach the detectives. Now, I don't know. I haven't done the math on exactly how many years transpired between 
Um, the murder of Ashley Ellerin, who was Ashton's, you know, girlfriend at the time. I say girlfriend, you know, dating. So if you're thinking, my God, you can't say these things. Ashton could sue you. Well, I wish Ashton would sue me. Because if he did, then depositions would be taken of all of the former Scientologists and current Scientologists who have personal knowledge of these goings on. And then everything I'm saying now wouldn't just be uh, accusations from a guy on the internet. They would be uh, a matter of official legal record. So it's why I'm not worried about any repercussions for saying these things. It, it's about time somebody did say these things without fear of repercussions. All right. And so, uh, yeah, if you want to see his full video, we'll have it linked below. But we just played a, a decent amount of it. And I wanted, um, you know, it to come from him because these are his own allegations. There is no confirmation that this is true or that's what transpired. It's possible that what Ashton is saying and has said from the beginning, what he testified is the truth. We don't know, but you know, Chrissy now saying, I know about this plan. I was on that call February 21st, 20 or 2001 is um, pretty shocking and definitely makes you think twice about it all. So I wonder if she's going to come forward with proof of that or, or be more specific because I don't think a lot of people understand or they see that date and they don't know what she's talking about. Yeah. Um, but pretty fucking insane. I wonder if there is proof. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't see that. I doubt she would have had recorded the right. call. Yeah. So it may never. Yeah. Even if never. she comes out and tries to explain it. Mm -mm. This may be something that we never can confirm. Yeah. It might be. Go down with the secrets of the Church of Scientology. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this statement Chrissy just made on Instagram, responding to someone glorified gossip girl in her Instagram replies, she says, Yes, he was in his car for over an hour outside of Ashley's house speaking to his manager about what to do to protect Ashton's career and reputation. Then he called Danny. I heard the entire conversation. Law enforcement was slash is aware what I'm saying is true. So we'll see where Dude, things go from there. Dude, holy shit. I know. Wow. Because they could charge him, huh, for lying under oath. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy God. Wow. Wow. I have, oh my God, so many thoughts. My mind is like spinning right now. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get nervous, of course, saying these things, but I want to make it clear it is alleged. I don't get nervous. We're just playing what this dude said. I mean, Aaron can say whatever he wants. Yeah, that's true. I know, just people get very even entertain anything then it's we're not saying it's true no just wanted we're to not. play it i do think it's very compelling though so do i food for thought i guess mm -hmm. so something that i found really interesting um is that uh wilmer valderrama was he played fez in the show yeah he dated demi lovato um back when she was 17 and he was 29 so like this entire cast is, has 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 had like such a disgusting like Mm -hmm. they've just all done really disgusting and vile things like even um even lauren uh laura uh, pepperon the girl that played um donna mm -hmm. yeah she's i mean she was part of scientology as well was she mm -hmm. wow. and she wasn't in it for as long but she didn't even though she hasn't necessarily come out in support of danny she's stayed very quiet and complacent in all of this mm. whereas like 
Wilmer. I mean, he's a known groomer. He groomed Demi Lovato for years. And Demi Lovato even came up with a song like not that long ago called 29. And she talks about like how when now that she's 29, she could never even imagine finding a 17 year old attractive. Yeah. Mm. And that there's like something like really wrong in your fucking head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the only person wow. who really, really has the only person who has like pun intended a saving grace in this is Topher Grace, which played Eric. Um, because for a long time, like when the show was ending, um, people kind of like saw him as like a stuck up actor. Yeah, people always thought he's kind of Be- like an asshole. Yeah, and it was because he was he was never close to the cast members, mm-hmm. and it was probably because of all this, and like he wasn't like. Yeah. You know, he left before he left the show before the show like ended. Yeah. Well, um, I had read that Danny was has been accused of always kind of being bullied. mean to Topher. Yeah. Topher was and that, bullied really heavily on the show. From mm-hmm. what I was reading, like he like he just wasn't he just wasn't like he just never like got along with them from what it seems like. Mm-hmm. And they definitely like ostracized him and kind of like outcasted him. Um, yeah. Like, I had heard that there were members. other people that were on the show. And if you were friendly with him. Um, Danny would get mad at you. Yeah. Danny just seems like a, like, I don't know, like, kind of like a little ringleader. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he does. Well, so at least we can be happy that he's going away for a long time. Yep. Justice is served. <sighs> but yeah. Just so disappointing, though, mm-hmm. with the whole Mila and Ashton thing. I know. So disappointing. Yeah, it really is. It's we want to hear your thoughts on it, um, especially all of you out there who um, were fans of them. You know, I'm sure many of you were. Mm-hmm. It's very disappointing. Shocking and disgusting. <sighs> this whole thing is just like blown me away. Same. It's really interesting because it's like they're it's like like birds of a feather, right? Like flock mm-hmm. of a feather, whatever. Like they all mm-hmm. they all have had such disgusting Yeah. Situations like this. And mm-hmm. it's interesting mm-hmm. to see that they definitely stuck by each other's side. Yeah. And like protected each other in a sense mm-hmm. you know what i mean and it's just yeah. really i really hate gross. this argument that people are bringing up that are like they're just trying to say who they knew back then and it's like but if you actually read their words they're discrediting especially after they've already been found he's already been found guilty yeah yeah mm-hmm. and again they did not have to do this no we were just asked to well let us know your thoughts on that one pretty insane um, we will update you guys if anything else comes out, which I'm sure there will be, honestly. I feel like the rabbit hole here goes pretty deep. Yeah. All right. So the next thing that we are going to be discussing is Ruby Frankie mm-hmm. with the Channel 8 Passengers. Now, like Kendall had mentioned, this whole family has been in the, I guess, news on YouTube, the YouTube news, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah, I mean, people have been pointing out how problematic this family is for a while. Yeah. Um, they come up a lot when people discuss um, problematic family vlogging. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always heard bad things about them. I've never actually seen any of their content yeah. or really looked into it. Um, I was pretty shocked at just how bad it all was before all of this came out yeah. and what I've seen now. Um, <sighs> this is so disturbing. Oh, yeah. Full warning. This is uh, very, very upsetting. So, and it, you've probably heard a lot of it at this point. Exactly. I mean, it's yeah, I was it's a pretty big story, right? Um, Ruby Frankie. If you for some reason don't know who she is, though, she's a forty-one-year-old. She lives in Utah. She's a Mormon, and she has six kids, and they uh, range from the age of ten to twenty. So, Ruby and her husband Kevin 
uh, which, by the way, all their kids' names are Sherry, Chad, Abby, Julie, Russell, and Eve. And then her husband's name is Kevin. They started this YouTube channel back in 2015 called Eight Passengers, and they basically vlogged every single day, like a lot of vlog channels that we've discussed in the whole bigger conversation of like, should people have family vlog channels and should mm-hmm. you be using your kids as content? Yeah. And the people are always discussing like, where's the line? Mm-hmm. What things are these people have crossed the fucking line? Oh, like, they were crossing the line before this already came out. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. For a long time. It's it's amazing all the things that they were sharing and really upsetting moments with their children that were filmed and shared with mm-hmm. two million people. Mm-hmm. They have more than two million subscribers, which mm-hmm. I had no idea they were this huge family. Yeah, their channel hasn't been on YouTube for a bit now. I don't know if YouTube took it off. It or did. Yeah, they, they did. did. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. I think it was because of all of the, uh, yeah, the allegations. I guess of, that's of, true. Yeah. They haven't publicly yeah. said. Yeah, we're not sure if it was YouTube or them, but but yeah, someone took it down. She has a very strict and abusive parenting style. Mm -hmm. She's very disciplined. Her kids are very disciplined. And a lot of people criticize her of it. It's more than just being strict. It's abusive. Yeah, I mean, people have been reporting this family to CPS for a long Mm -hmm. time now, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's watch some clips, though, here so you can kind of get an idea of what their whole shtick is which by the way all these clips there it's all over tiktok mm-hmm. like if you just type in eight passengers there are so many and youtube clips. too like compilations yeah. yeah yeah there's plenty i gave julie a tongue lashing that will not ever be repeated nor recorded i'm only gonna say it one more time and then you're gonna lose the privilege to eat dinner she always likes to threaten mm-hmm. like kids not eating dinner or eating lunch or if you don't pack your lunch then too bad you don't get to eat or sleeping in their own beds it's like basic necessities that she she threatens and takes away when they're in trouble you cut one more thing in my house (laughs) i'm going to take the scissors look at me and i'm gonna cut its head off we don't allow our children to have sleepovers it's a different world it's a different world we live in now sorry that is so scary be like, I'm going to cut your stuffed animal's head off. If yeah. my mom said that to me, I'd be mortified. Demented. That's so violent, too. Mm-hmm. And then to not only do those things, but then to Record upload it. it to thousands of strangers. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Here's a clip from um, a video posted in 2020 where Ruby's son, Chad, said that, like Kendall said, his parents forced him to sleep on a beanbag for several months as a punishment for a prank that he pulled. And this prank, first of all, was like... So mild. I mean, yeah. it was it was kind of mean, but he told his younger brother that they were going to Disney World and like had him pack up his bags and then it wasn't true. Which is like, yeah, it's kind of mean, but like, mm-hmm. that's not... Seven months without a fucking bed? Right. I mean, okay. I'm like, how many pranks did you guys play on your sip? Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and something that was like, this is like so right? minuscule. Seriously. My bedroom was taken away for seven months and then you give it back like a couple weeks ago. I don't think our viewers know that. <laughs> sleeping on a beanbag. I've been sleeping on a beanbag since October. <laughs> Look at him looking right at the camera. I gave my room back like two weeks ago. Oh, I'll give you that. the reason why I lost my bedroom. I think so. I think this is the reason. At least this is the reason that's been in my head. 
So pretty funny, but now that I look back, it was pretty depressing. No, we never told our viewers that I woke Russell up at two in the morning and told him that we're going to Disneyland. He has to pack, <laughs> and he got up and made his bed all neatly, and then packed all his clothes in the suitcase. And then he walked out the door, and I'm like, Russell, and he's like, what? And he's all happy. That's his sunglasses on. Do you think it's funny? Because and then I walk out. If you he... think it's funny, then you that was seven months ago. Maybe you need longer without a bedroom. It, it was not funny. <laughs> Russell got the big bedroom and Chai got the the smaller bedroom. Smaller. And Russell's bigger bedroom also had a bathroom. But what you guys didn't know was <laughs> Chad didn't get any room. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't get anything. He was sleeping on the floor in the family room. Abby, we took the phone away from Abby November. Um, in November. Oh, and and you may you may never get the phone back. Probably not. No, I have no friends. You can play with friends. No, like I don't have friends. I don't have friends either. I literally like told my friends I'm not hanging out with them anymore. See, they say some pretty messed up stuff. Oh yeah, but I don't even know where they live. And they're pretty far away. So, summer goal: become the best athlete I possibly can. So sad. He was um sent to a place called the um, Anasazi Foundation Wilderness Program, and they claim to provide intervention services for troubled teens. And um, apparently this was brought on because of the fact that there was a series of physical and emotional damaging behaviors from him. He has a clip talking about it. Watch that. Brownie down here too. Where did you go? Anasazi. Okay. Why did you go there? Because I was a bad boy. That's not true. That's true. Sorry. I'm totally triggered because I tried to teach him like everyone's a good boy because you are divine. We make choices that aren't good, but that doesn't make you not good. What kinds all, what kinds of things did you eat? It was all vegan. Yeah. No offense to the vegans, but it sucked. Did you immediately love it? That was saucy. Or did it take some time to get used to it? I kind of just accepted it. And we pulled into, they had our parking spot. They were surrounding our parking spot. I guess sometimes they had runners. <laughs> Scott out of the car, shook everyone's hand. They have hey, runners? Say since being away from technology for so long, how does it feel to be back on camera? Natural muscle memory of seven, eight years of filming, it just <laughs> came back. Notice that I'm relapsing and going back to what I've done in the past and being able to... Why are you putting that online? Because she's fucking... That's what I don't get. Insane. <laughs> Why are you putting this about? dude's, you know, dirty laundry online? For views, for clicks, for money. That's it. There's also this clip. Ruby explained in this video how her six-year-old daughter Eve forgot her lunch and how she needed to make it a learning experience. Check this out. This is very exciting. Text message uh, from Eve's teacher. And she said that Eve did not pack a lunch today. And can I bring a lunch over to the school? This happens quite often when you're having raising children um, because I know that her teacher is uncomfortable with her being hungry and not having a lunch. And it would ease her discomfort if I came to the school with lunch. Um, but I, I responded and just said, Eve is responsible for making her lunches in the morning. And she actually told me she did pack a lunch. So the natural outcome is she's just going to need to be hungry. And hopefully, hopefully nobody gives her food and nobody steps in and gives her a lunch because then she's not going to learn from the natural outcome. My hope is that she'll be hungry and come home and go, Oh man, that was really painful being hungry all day. I will make sure always have a lunch with me my hope is 
she will be hungry and in pain. And it's as a mother and about six year old kindergarten food insecurity is such a huge fucking deal. And like the fact that this family can afford to yeah. give their kids food and like have their kids fed, but you want to teach them a lesson yes. that's in kindergarten. Yeah. And well, then teach them this lesson in front of 2 million people. Yeah. Like maybe if this was in high school. Yeah. Right. A six year old, six year old. It, it's your job as the parent to pack their lunch for them. Like as a, ch- like their children, she's a six year old kindergartner. Yep. So sad. It's really, really shocking. Here's a video of Ruby. Uh, sharing info about her daughter's vulnerable moments and hitting her son with a car door. In her prayers. Eve, she was six years old at the time. And she was saying her prayers and she said the cutest thing. I thought it was so cute. And I started laughing. She said, Dear Heavenly Father, please help me to survive. And I thought it was so cute. And it just took me off guard. And I kind of giggled a little. She was, that was an experience for her. And she, she she melted. She was angry. And I, and I, and she started crying. Reasons I, oh, no. What are you doing? You are so crazy, girl. Can you give me the breakfast? You don't need food. Oh, I did not know you were standing there. Are you okay? Why are you putting that Seriously, online? are you okay? Let me see. How do you not drop the I camera immediately if you see my your kid with a car door? Children, I cannot wait to hug them and to smell them and to lick them. Ew, what? Then there's another video that Ruby posted that clearly shows her lack of care when her daughter needed to go to the ER and she seemed to have absolutely no urgency to go. Let's take a look at that. I'm cleaning the countertops, mopping the floor. I'm stalling. I think I'm ready now. I think I'm ready to leave. I put on a little bit of lip gloss and that will be as much stalling as I'll go. And so she woke up this morning and she's like, Mom, my vision is really blurry, like more blurry than it usually is. Kevin just came in. He's like, I think we need to take Sherry to the emergency room. I said, well, let me take a shower and then I'll be out. <laughs> it's, been, it's been an hour. So what the fuck? Insane. My vision's blurry and she's like stalling around, clean the bathroom, putting on lip gloss. This is a clip of Ruby on a podcast where she is talking about how she let her three and five-year-old just hang out downstairs while she went and took a nap and listen to what happened. And we lived in a townhouse and there were a lot of stairs that went up to my bedroom and the the family room was down a long flight of stairs. And I put my my two children, my almost six-year-old, she's probably five, and then uh, Chad, my three, almost four-year-old in the, on a couch. And I put on a movie and I said, I am going to go lay down. Do not <laughs> move from your couch. You, you got your blanket, you've gone to the bathroom. Um, the, the doors were locked and bolted. And I said, I'm going to go lay down. I'm going to lay your sister down for a nap and the baby, and I'm going to go lay down. And when I come down, uh, I will get some lunch for everybody or a snack or whatever it was. So they were fed, they were full, they were emptied. And, and so I thought, okay, everything's good. And I made it very clear. I said, do not under any circumstance, go into the kitchen. Do not, do not go into the kitchen. You just stay right there and watch the movie for an hour. And I went upstairs and laid down. And an hour later, I came downstairs and the movie was still going and they were sitting on the couch and 
they were cuddled in their blankets. I thought, oh, good. They did what they were told. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so relieved. Okay. So I went into the kitchen to start preparing some food. And as I walked on the floor, my feet went, they, they stuck. They stuck. I'm like, my foot is stuck to the floor. And as I lifted my foot up off the floor, it went, like you could, you could hear the stickiness. I could hear it with my ears. I thought, oh my gosh, what is on this floor? And I took another step and my foot stuck and went like, it was like sticking on the floor. And I thought, what is this? So I did what any mother would do. You know what I'm going to say, young moms? <laughs> I knelt down on the floor and I smelt it and I couldn't, I couldn't quite tell. And I <laughs> stuck my tongue out and I licked the floor. I'm like, oh. and I licked the floor. I'm like, this is pineapple juice. What in the world? How, how, how did pineapple juice get on the floor? And everywhere I walked, my foot stuck to the floor. And I thought, what, what, how, how, I'm trying to put the pieces together. Like what happened? So I called my two kids and I said, I said, come here. And they came over and I said, do you guys know why this floor is sticky? No, 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 we don't know. And I said, I, this floor was absolutely clean before I went upstairs. I went upstairs for an hour and I came down and now it is covered, covered. There is something that's going on. And one of you or both of you know something and you're not telling me. And I'm going to stand here until you do. And my son said, um, I know, I know why it's sticky. I said, oh, and why is that? Well, um, I thought I cleaned it up, but I guess I didn't. Him saying this in his, you know, three or four year old vocabulary. He showed me that in the fridge, there was a big Tupperware of pineapple pineapple with some juice in it. And he said, I went into the kitchen and I got the Tupperware pineapple and I opened it to get some pineapple and it spilled and went everywhere. And I hurried and picked up all the pieces of pineapple. And then he, he showed me, he said, I got a paper towel and I cleaned up all of the mess and put the lid on and put it in the fridge. So it, it, it didn't look like there was anything wrong. Well, you as anybody, anybody older than four years old knows that if you have pineapple juice and you take a paper towel and you soak up the pineapple juice, you don't, you're not actually cleaning the pineapple juice. You're just making it look like there's no pineapple juice. And so I, I looked at him and here's where the compassion comes in. And I hope that you can hear it. I said, I, that, that's a good thing that you told me that what you have done and you didn't clean it up. You didn't actually clean it up. And that was dishonest. So I'm, I'm telling him the truth. You said you would not go into the kitchen and you did. I told you under no circumstance are you to get off the couch and you did. And I told you I would be feeding you as soon as I come down and you felt entitled to go take, you felt entitled to take what was in the fridge and eat it. And then you made a mess and then you tried hiding it by lying. She's talking about a three-year-old that she left alone who went and got a healthy snack and then tried to clean it up. Wouldn't most parents be pretty proud of their child for that? Why are you like under no circumstance are you to leave the couch? They're three. They're hungry. Ridiculous. She's such a fucking idiot. So after the channel was removed, she joins up with another dimwit, um, Jody Hildebrand in June of 2022 and joined her YouTube channel Connections. Connections. Looks like conic scones. <laughs> Stupid. 
The channel advertises itself as a mom support group that helps rehabilitate individuals who are lost and stuck in the darkness of distortion, which gives birth to fear, despair, and other self-destructive behaviors. Guess what Jody is? What, Janelle? She has uh, a clinical mental health license. Yep. Which is in the process of being taken away. We'll yep. explain in a sec. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Jody and Ruby claim to be a mental fitness and relationship expert, which, what? yeah, what the fuck even is that? Mental um, fitness. They have a variety of classes to choose from. These are the cheaper options. Uh, yeah, imagine taking a class from these two idiots. One, transform your life. Pain into joy, empowering joy. Join the empowering joy community live on Zoom every Saturday for t- from seven to eight a.m. Mountain Time. You get twenty-four hour access to Connections Digital Library, which includes fifty plus videos of Jody's live training sessions, retreats, and a self care digital course. It's twenty one dollars a month. Then these go up from here. You can do a men and women's teams, which you get to meet with a group of men and women for ninety minutes each to um, empower each other to heal and change. And this is a weekly meeting and that one is $75 for a with a three-month commitment and that's $75 per week then you can exchange your confusion for clarity with a one-on-one training with Jody. this is so scammy sorry yep. I'm laughing it's, just it's very culty too mm-hmm. the way they like do all this I know it's giving like MLM yeah it is you can meet with her for a one-on-one 50-minute session to get personal help and feedback on your unique situation and needs for $181 a session. You can do Connections Insiders for $21 a month, $21 for a 20-minute of direct video messaging. And that's with Jody and Ruby. Um, or a Masterclass for $218 that includes digital videos and physical workbooks and transform your mental health and relationship in six weeks. That's it. <laughs> Just like that. That kind of stuff bothers me because why are you... I feel like that's giving people false hope. Oh, of course of it Families is. who are desperate for help and are dealing with problems mm-hmm. and you go on this crap and see like, oh, oh six-week six course weeks. and I'll be fine. Yep, that's all I need. Like... I don't know. You can do a parenting class with Jody Hildebrandt and get her comprehensive guide to parenting. Learn how to connect meaningfully and parent effectively in just five weeks. But this baby. is like all the these are all the cheap things because mm-hmm. they also offer eighteen bucks for that one. They got leadership training courses. Uh, they got a six week option for almost five thousand dollars and an eighteen week option for almost fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand dollars. They claim to help you learn how to heal from stress and anxiety, learn how to set boundaries for better self care, learn how to avoid drama in your own life and in the workplace, and more. <laughs> the six week in- program includes six individual hour and a half sessions with certified connections trainer, connections workbook, access to a library of a hundred plus podcasts, access to online executive trainings. Uh, access to additional connections trainers for phone calls with phone call support. Uh, that one was seven ninety five. The five thousand dollar one is a six week program that includes six team hour and a half in, uh, sessions with certified connections trainer, midweek small group trainings, access to the same the library, access to online executive training, access to additional connections trainers and phone support, pre and post assessment surveys. And then, yeah, the the big kahuna here, the 18-week program for $15,000 includes six executive, This pretty much the same thing, the hour and a half session, six of them with a certified connections trainer, six mid-manager 
hour and a half sessions with a certified connections trainer, six company-wide hour and a half sessions with a certified connections trainer, 18 midweek small group trainings with certified connections trainer, <laughs> access to 100 plus library podcast, you know, 100 plus podcasts, access to online executive trainings, access to additional connections trainers for phone call support, pre and post assessment survey. Okay. So it's just longer. <laughs> Sorry, I know, I know. I just wanted to read it because it's pretty interesting to see how the, how these people are laying all this shit out because they're not that different. It's just the length seems like overall. Um, here's a nice note though. Uh, in 2012, Jody was put on probation for 18 months and almost lost her license after she exposed a patient publicly without his permission. Nice. Mm. Isn't that like, oh, I don't know, the number one rule <laughs> yeah. when you're working in that field is to not... Expose your patients. Yep, that is the number one rule. So the Connections YouTube channel is no longer available, and that's been confirmed by YouTube. They removed both channels linked to Ruby after she was arrested and charged with child abuse, which most of you probably know that. But in one of Ruby and Jody's videos, Ruby addresses people's comments, saying her kids aren't going to talk to her anymore if she keeps treating them the way that she has. And this is her response. Jody and I have each shared an example from our own lives of what real love looks like, which isn't what the world thinks is is love. They push back and say, whoa, that's mean. You're not going to uh, be loved. Your children are going to kick you out of their lives. So when people say, well, if you do that, then your child's not going to trust you. If you do that, then your child's not going to love you. Well, exactly. I'm just revealing that my child is refusing to love unconditionally. I don't want anyone in my life who's not going to be loving. So if my child will only love me if I give them what they want, then that's that's not really love. So this this takes a very strong soul because most of us are not even willing to consider not having our children in our lives. And I hope that you'll reconsider. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the um, subscribers for their channel actually started a petition on change.org to have the Frankies investigated. And Utah's Division of Child and Family Services actually went to their home and interviewed the children for a few hours. Um, But according to the Department of Children and Family Services, um, the case was dropped due to lack of evidence for the allegations. Now, in an interview in 2020, Ruby said, and this is, quote, what people are understanding is that we give our children choice in everything. We are teaching our children to be self-governing. So it was always very open with our son that he gets to choose how long he's separate from his brother dependent upon his behavior. Okay. So that brings us to the most recent news on Wednesday, August 30th. Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt were arrested after police received a 911 call from a man, which who was a neighbor, someone who lives close to Jody, saying that kids showed up at his house, that a kid showed up at his house and asked him to call police. And here's the audio from the 911 call. Tell me exactly what's happened. I just had a 12-year-old boy show up here at my front door asking for help. You know there's been problems at this neighbor's house. He's emaciated. He's got tape around his legs. He's hungry and he's thirsty. And he asked us to call the police. So he's very afraid. This kid has obviously been... I think he's been, he's been detained. He's been, he's obviously covered in wounds. We need the cops here soon. So fucking sad to think about. Uh, So here's a portion of the police audio 
uh, reporting what they found when they were at the scene. Well, it's 11, 12, it's 4, if you can back on a child abuse. I repeat that a 12-year-old male showed up with tape around his legs Thursday asking for help, said he was afraid asking for police. Debra, he gave the name of Russell Frankie's unknown date of birth, or he did give it the date of birth, but I'm not showing any Russell's in filming. I'll keep looking into that. The RP said he left through the porch of the neighbor's house. Sample break. Well, that's 11 and 17. Just have our team. The male does have dead tape around each ankle. He's not telling the RP why. And said that it sores around his wrists and ankles. He's becoming, or texting the RP, he's becoming emotional regarding the child's health. I'm going to go ahead and have medical state on this one. Said that he said he left from a neighbor's of Jody Hildebrand. In Ivan, 54-year-old female, not sure if they related. When asking the RP's parents, it's always said his mom is Ruby Frankie, unknown where she lives. 12, 11, 12, 17. I do have a Ruby Frankie spelling with an E on the end of Frankie address out of Springville. Only involvement was a Catholic offense a couple of days ago. He's also saying that there's two of his sisters are back at the home as well. Copy that. The uh, wounds on his leg are pretty... Pretty good. Call it 511 through 14. Medical is going to transport him to the, his wounds there in need of immediate care. That is so sad. I know. I can't even imagine coming across a scene like that. Oh, my God. So in a probable cause affidavit, um, authorities said that Ruby's 12-year-old son climbed out of a window of Jody's home and ran to a neighbor's house. The child knocked on the door and asked for food and water. Law enforcement arrived at the scene and saw severe wounds. The 12-year-old was taken to the hospital where he was placed on a medical hold because of deep lacerations from being tied up with a rope and malnourishment. God, as when I first heard about this, it, it reminded me of that Turpin family. Yeah. Like, because she had escaped. One of their children had yeah. escaped. and <sighs> Yep. Never could imagine this vlogger's family was... Just yeah. as bad, and so wasn't crazy. was it wasn't the Turban family also like highly religious as well? They mm-hmm. were, um, yeah, they they was, were. What was the name of that? Um, they were. Uh, he just talked exactly. about it in one of the last episodes of Mount Higher. Were they IBLP? Uh, no, they weren't no. IBLP, but they were like, um, like they had babies, like they had as many babies as they could have for like Christ. Mm. Well, it could so, go into many different religions. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they were. I don't remember that one. Really disturbed me when I covered it, and I never really looked back at it after. My so, initial coverage was so upsetting, but police go to Jody's house and they find another child, um, Ruby's ten-year-old daughter, who was also very malnourished and in very very bad condition. And then Ruby's two other children were at the Frankie house, um, and then all four of the kids were placed under custody of Family Services. Now it's not entirely clear where Ruby and uh, or why Ruby and two of her children were at Jody's without the other two, why they were separate. Mm-hmm. We don't really know why, but regardless, four of her six kids are now placed under um, family services. And what's interesting is the police report also noted that Ruby had filmed a video in Jody's home just days before the incident that suggested Ruby had knowledge of the abuse, malnourishment, and neglect. So the kid's dad, Kevin... He hasn't been charged, um, and his attorney said that he was not living at the home at the time. Kevin and Ruby have been separated for more than a year, and he denies knowing anything about any of this abuse. Which, 
I don't know about that. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know either. How could you not know? I know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, but... In a statement, Kevin's attorney said, Kevin Frankie's goal is to help keep the children together, and if the allegations are true, my client has never supported, condoned, or even acted in a physical way towards these kids. He is a good dad, he's a very humble guy, and he needs to get these kids back to be able to kind of get them out of the media and get their lives back to normal. That's his objective. A neighbor of the Frankies spoke with NBC News and said that she called the Utah's Division of Child and Family Services back in September of 2022. And she said it started getting weird. People were concerned because Ruby completely stopped her YouTube stuff and then it just kind of turned dark. She taped up paper all over her windows. She would just disappear for weeks at a time. And there's all these little kids just left alone in the house. When I saw the authorities making a wellness check on the home, nobody would open up. Another neighbor said, everyone is just breathing a collective sigh of relief because we thought they were going to come out of that house with body bags. They said one of the kids, we're not sure which one at this point, would knock on the door and say, hi, can your kids play? And we're like, well, they're at school. They won't be home for another three or four hours. And she'd be like, I'll wait. She's like this lost child is what they said. And then Ruby's sisters, Ellie Meckham, Julie Giroux, and Bonnie Helene posted a statement on Instagram that shares where they stand with this whole situation, which these people vlog as well. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. For the last three years, we have kept quiet on the subject of our sister Ruby Frankie for the sake of her children. Behind the public scene, we have done everything we could to try and make sure the kids were safe. We wouldn't feel right moving forward with regular content the fuck without addressing the most recent events once we do we will not be commenting on it any further yeah that's that gonna be it for us such a strange state we want to keep posting but real quick we got to do this yeah we just need to get this out of the way before we continue on making money off our family ruby was arrested which needed to happen jody was arrested which needed to happen and the kids are now safe which is the number one priority ruby's sister bonnie posted a youtube video that is now private and said the family did as much as they could to protect Ruby's six children from the alleged abuse. Back in September 2022, Sherry, who was the oldest daughter of the Frankie um, family, had actually cut ties from her family. Um, And she went on Instagram and posted, saying, despite good intentions, speculating rumors and gossip doesn't help us. I'd like to ask for privacy for me and my family as we work through this very difficult situation. Please know that many are working on this situation, and I hope one day we can be whole again. Please respect my privacy as I work through my own healing as well. So then after her mom was arrested, Sherry uh, spoke out and posted on Instagram again saying, Hi all, today has been a big day. Me and my family are so glad justice is being served. We've been trying to tell the police and CPS for years about this and so glad they finally decided to step up. Kids are safe, but there's a long road ahead. Please keep them in your prayers and also respect their privacy. She also said, I need your help. If you have links to any questionable or concerning connections or eight passengers videos, please DM them to me. It's too much for me to sort through myself. So that brings us to last week. Nine six, uh, Ruby and Jody have been charged with six counts of aggravated child abuse. They are accused of a combination of multiple physical injuries or torture, starvation or malnutrition that jeopardizes life and causing severe emotional harm to two children. They are looking at one to 15 years and a fine of up to $10,000. These are felony counts. Mm-hmm. It's odd that it's only $10,000. And then there was a court hearing on the 8th, so last Friday, 
The court hearing started off chaotic. It's reported that people waited more than 30 minutes after the scheduled start of the hearing. They they were shouting in the hearing things like shut up, mama, and played Cardi B's WAP. So, fuck. The viewers were asked repeatedly by the court to mute themselves. The judge asked those who were just there to observe to leave because they were clogging the stream and that those who actually needed to attend couldn't get into the stream. Yeah, they were both on video. Yeah, which is to be expected with this being a giant story on the internet. Both appeared in jail via video and were seen wearing orange jumpsuits. Both of their lawyers waved reading the charges and neither of them entered pleas. Their lawyers did say they would be asking for bail during the hearing. Ruby seemed to try to put on some of the blame on her children. She stated that one of her kids abused their siblings. So whack. This is really, yeah, trying to understand this is pretty confusing. But she said that one of her kids was sexually abusing some of the other kids for years now. And eventually the two of them started abusing the other kids. Like random kids. Yeah. Neighbors, cousins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She claimed the two kids would play a padding game together. Not sure what that means. She said that one of the kids admitted to sexually abusing 20 kids, some of them being neighbors and cousins. She didn't provide any proof, but the judge said that the child would need to be separated from the rest. This was all that was mentioned about this, and the judge said that the details of the alleged abuse can be discussed at a different time. So we eventually will know more about that, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. The judge ordered that both of them would remain in jail without bail and that their next hearing will be on September 21st, but then it ended up being moved to October 5th due to a scheduling conflict. Uh, conflict. So it'll be a little bit of time before we get anything else. But yeah, pretty mind blowing situation. It's it's incredibly sad. I'm just so glad that that child was able to get out before something really fucking horrible could have so happened. So sad. There is this one thing that I saw online too that <clears throat> she was talking about, like how one of her three old kids um, was like doing like things online and was like looking up like inappropriate yeah the things three online. year old. And it's like, I think, I think she claimed it was like the kid was like watching porn or something. And it's like, how does that, how does that even make sense when you're so strict on their, their their usage Mm -hmm. of the internet? Like, how does that even make sense? Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I just looked up the latest. Um, apparently both Jody and Ruby are experiencing medical issues since they arrived in jail. And according to the internet, uh, Frankie was moved to a medical observation block on Friday, but they don't know why. It's not posted as to why she's in medical care and is being observed. It's very uh, interesting. Mm. Apparently, um, the attorneys filed a motion for an expedited hearing um, because she has experienced a life-threatening medical issue while in jail, causing her to be hospitalized for several days. Interesting. I wonder what's going on there. I know. Or I wonder if anything's being like exaggerated. Exactly. Because mm. during the uh, during the hearing, I mean, they seemed, I mean, they seemed healthy and like relatively healthy, especially Jody. Did yeah. you see the video of it? You I watched saw, it. Huh? I saw parts of it. Yeah. It. I can't like find it. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't been able to find it either. I'm curious about that. But you tuned in live, Curly, huh? You I probably tuned in just but... a little bit live. Yeah, because it was on. It was on a Friday. Yeah when it came out mm. but ha- they looked like fine to you i mean i mean from what i remember yeah they were like i mean they were they weren't like because it's jody the one that's like having these life-threatening medical issues and it's like yeah. she was she wasn't having like medical like she wasn't having life med- life no i think it's ruby 
that's having issues. Jody oh, has life threatening medical block. They're, I think, oh, well, they're, they're both, both moved issues. into they're, medical block. Oh, I see. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No, because, like, I mean, let me try no, to both have issues. Convenient. Okay. Yeah. What are their issues? Idiots. That they're so stupid Your that their brains kids are exploding. Have cuts on them and tape, and they just escape. And now you're like, oh. Isn't it scary to think about how many people have gotten advice from these two idiots? Oh. Yeah. And that evil human god we they the charge money authorities for should like follow up with people who were paying for this and and taking this advice to heart who knows what they were told in those courses unreal it's disgusting yeah they are it's good to finally see some justice happening um and and this is bringing so much awareness to the world the very dangerous world of family vlogging too and some of the stuff that goes on i think people don't realize just how much people are actually sharing and exploiting their children. I mean, it's really fucking bad. And we are starting to see some um, laws being mm-hmm. put into place. I think it was Iowa or somewhere. They just Illinois. passed. Illinois. Thank you. I knew it was an I state. They just passed um, a law about it for children of family vlogging. Really? Mm-hmm. I think in the next five years, it's going to be yeah. a lot of it. A yeah. lot of this is going to be changed. An, you know other states are going to follow suit hopefully but yeah i mean it's things that us and many others have brought up for a long time about the dangers of this world um but i don't think anyone expected it with the frankie family to be this bad and i mean wow you know it's one thing to post your kids online when they're in a good mood and fun things are happening i mean mm-hmm. i'm not saying like i think it's great but I feel like it's so much worse. Oh yeah, to do it when they're having meltdowns. Yes, there's definitely levels of how bad like it is. But when you're yeah. punishing mm-hmm. them, when they're misbehaving, like you do not put that shit online. The what intricate the fuck parts is of their lives. It's bizarre. Like there was that one. Oh, I forgot their names. There was a different family that was like posting their kids having full on like meltdowns, mm. and like there was that one. Remember that one mom? Their dog got really sick. And then she, they yeah. were in the car. Oh, yeah. I was just talking to our friend Taylor about this. And oh. she was like, Yeah, that was um, the Jordan. Oh, yeah. I was like friends with her a long time ago on YouTube. And then she started family vlogging. She used to be a beauty influencer. What was her name? Will you look it up? Yeah. Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. And their dog died. And then she gets in the car with him and forced him to take a thumbnail picture and was like coaching him on how to be sad and everything. Like, and then she down. accidentally posted the clip of them posing for the thumbnail. Yep. So yeah, we will um, report on that as more comes out. Um, but there is another CSI that we wanted to talk about today that hasn't gotten a lot of news coverage, probably with everything else going on. But 50 Cent has thrown a microphone into a crowd two times. Now, earlier this year, we saw Cardi B throw her microphone um, at a fan very forcefully. And, um, you know, many people defended her at the time saying, well, the fans were throwing water up at her. Didn't and this, she that, ask for that? She, yes, she literally was like, spray me with water. And like, she was like twerking in the water before. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, totally nailed a fan with a microphone. So now 50 Cent has done the same thing. He went into a fit of rage and chucked two of his microphones into the crowd on August 30th during his concert at the Crypto Arena in Los Angeles. Um, he was handed several broken microphones, which apparently really pissed him off. So he was handed two mics. Um, and he threw one, which he didn't throw very hard. 
Um, then he was handed a second one, which he also didn't, I guess it wasn't working as well, which I'm like, why are you not testing this anyways, whatever. And he hurled this one, like he chucked this one. There's a video, let's go ahead and watch it. People are saying with the force of an Olympian. That's what I said. Oh, that was your words? Yeah. Force of an Olympian. It was it was hard as fuck. And also, this is this is the first throw, the second throw, and then him acknowledging the throw. Yeah, the video is pretty crazy. Let's play it. You ain't never have your man, don't talk to me. That's the first one he throws. So you kind of just chucks it. You barely even see it. Oh, yeah, I was going to say it. Uh, you see that? Boom. Why didn't you Why are you doing what that? What are you doing? Yeah. You're proud of your own fans. Microphone weeks first to take the in my ears. Watch tonight, man. I'm in LA. They're trying to. <laughs> Bro. Oh. Yeah. Damn, that was a better angle. Insane. Chucked it hard. Seriously. Wow, I I see what you're saying with the force of the Olympian. I mean, that was really hard. It that reminds was... me of the what's the thing where they spin and then throw? hurling, hurling. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. He hurled it for real. <laughs> well, guess what? What struck someone in the head? Yep. Brianna Monaghan. Uh, she was in the VIP section. One of his VIP fans paid extra to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's actually a radio host for Power 106 LA. Um, and she went to the hospital with a laceration to her head, which resulted in some stitches and um, said, you know, am I going to be okay? I just want to make sure I'm not bleeding or anything. But this thing is like, like look at these pictures. Yeah. It's and really she blacked bad. out. <sighs> Jesus. Oh yeah. It's pretty crappy. Oh. So she ended up filing a complaint with the LAPD. Mm-hmm. And his attorney, Scott Lamone, Lemon. He came out and said, let's be very clear. As I told LAPD this afternoon, my client Curtis, a.k.a. 50 Cent, would never intentionally strike anyone with a microphone. Okay. Well, obviously, he wasn't purposely aiming it at her. But yes, he threw it with force into a crowd full of fucking people. So he says, anyone saying something different doesn't have all the facts and is misinformed. We don't need the facts, my friend. We can see the facts. You chucked it, like Corelli said, an Olympian. Yep. And one person who is just relishing in this whole incident is Ja Rule. Now, those two have been beefing for ever. 20 years. He went on Instagram and said, we ain't forget. Enjoy those criminal charges and lawsuit, dickhead. And added hashtags to his alcohol brands, just like Fitty does on all of his posts. (laughs) (sighs) Ah, That is so painful looking. Um, yeah. Cardi B was cleared of all the charges. She doesn't face any oh. repercussions. Okay. So who knows what's going to happen there? There's quite a debate going on online with fans and critics. Some argue that the incident was unintentional and just an accident, just a whoopsie, just a little Dude, anger moment. That is so stupid. <laughs> Even if it was an accident, you still yeah. need to control yourself, not chuck mm-hmm. metal objects into the crowd. Insane. The Other fuck? people believe it's reckless and could have been avoided. Yeah, no shit. 
This opens the conversation about the responsibility artists have towards their fans' safety. Now, that's something we've talked about many, many times. Unreal. These people are paying to see you. I'm going to throw metal objects at them. Imagine going to like one of your favorite artists and like getting, yeah, getting the. Like, right? Imagine if like Casey Musgraves chucked a microphone at your head, Kendall. Oh, <laughs> hell no. She would never, but. <laughs> no. God. Well, I'm exhausted. That was a uh, long episode of bunch of idiots here oh my god <sighs> that just all came out of nowhere too mm-hmm. i know yeah it's been an insane week we knew we had a lot to go over here and there's like other things i wanted to talk about we couldn't even like fit into this week just insane but um, yeah we'll have to keep a close eye out on all these stories though because i have a feeling a lot more is going to come out mm-hmm. god i'm starting to not feel good now oh you're fine. We couldn't tell. We're all <laughs> these three at least are not feeling great. Energies are low today. <laughs> yeah, all I right. really hope you guys aren't like actually sick because now I'm starting to feel sore and like tired and I'm like, does your throat hurt? No, my throat feels fine, but I'm scared because I'm going to Washington D.C. I thought you were high fiving me. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Get no, away. I'm saying like, stay away. <laughs> I'm going stay to. Away. I took my th- my my temperature and I'm. I'm fine. Okay, I tried to use that thermometer. It said I was 93 degrees. Yeah, yeah. this thing is fucking drunk. Okay, so who even knows? You guys yeah, should probably yeah. go home. I'm gonna go home too. Well, that's been the one of the most disturbing. Yeah, that I feel was like. that was a really intense episode. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us. If you did, it's important stuff to talk about. We Absolutely. really wanted to yeah. discuss these things, but um, yeah, very very heavy heavy things. Disappointed going on. in a lot of people celebrities piss me the fuck off and believe victims yeah that's it believe victims that's gonna be it for this week guys we will see you on the next session but until, until then, then keep, keep it fresh it fresh <laughs>